Welcome to Sanctified in Truth with Michael York, a ministry of the Fairview Baptist Church in Ashland, Kentucky. Sanctified in Truth is a daily podcast for followers of Christ who desire to imitate Him and to dedicate ourselves fully to the plans God has for us by deepening our love and understanding of God's Word. Today's reading is Genesis chapter 8, verse 1 to chapter 9, verse 17. As always, I want to encourage you to read the passage before you listen to the podcast. After the flood, Noah waits for the waters to subside and the land to dry. Again, that Moses, the author of Genesis, uses great specificity with dates and number of days shows that he means to convey the flood is an actual event, not a myth. That the dove that Noah sent out could not find a place to rest demonstrates just how great this flood was. Once the earth was dry, Noah left the ark and offered a sacrifice to God. The sacrifice is described as pleasing to God. And then God says he will not curse the ground because of man. In other words, never again will creation be punished in this way because of the sin of humanity. God's assessment of humanity is really not any different than before the flood, though. In Genesis chapter 6, it says, The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of his thoughts, and every intention of the thoughts of his heart, was only evil continually. Now God says, The intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. So what changed? Why is it that God, in Genesis 6, because he sees the wickedness of the world, sends a flood, but now in Genesis 8, The world's still wicked, and yet God promises to never again send a flood to destroy the world. What changed? Well, the sacrifice did. The sacrifice appeased God's wrath. Maybe the best way that we can think of sacrifices in the Old Testament is to think of them like a credit card. The sacrifices did not pay for the sin, but as the person offering the sacrifice demonstrated faith in God's promise, The payment was delayed until later, until the sacrifice of Christ. In his death, Jesus paid for the sins of all those who had put their faith in him. The sacrifice of Jesus is what spares us from the wrath of God because only Jesus' life was a pleasing and acceptable sacrifice to God. As we seek to think through the meaning and implications and applications of this passage, we want to ask ourselves our three basic questions. First, what does this passage tell me about God? After the flood, God gives a sign of his promise to never again flood the earth. It's a rainbow. God says that the covenant is between him and the earth. The promise is not contingent on the change of behavior of humanity, but on the goodness of God. The promise is a promise to preserve creation until God's ultimate day of judgment. Now make no mistake, God would be perfectly within his rights and he would be just in bringing judgment through any means he chose at any time he chooses. But that he does not demonstrates his great patience. Every time we look in the sky and we see a rainbow, we can be thankful that God is patient with us, that he's good to care for the world And it's not because we deserve it, it's because he's chosen to. The second question we want to ask ourselves is, what does this passage reveal to me about myself and about humanity in general? 
After the flood, we see a recapitulation of God's mandate for humans. They're to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. They're to exercise dominion and care for creation. God even prohibits the eating of the animal raw. Now, what in the world is that all about? Well, first, remember that the whole reason for the flood was the widespread violence. So now God is giving specific instructions to prevent this. Humans are to care for creation, not exploit it. Yes, we're given permission to eat animals, but we still need to tend God's creation. The second thing, though, is that we must remember that while these events took place thousands of years before the giving of the law, Moses wrote them down after the law had been given. In Leviticus chapter 17, God gives laws about the handling of blood. Blood, which is the symbol of life, is not to be for consumption because God wants to make the point that all life belongs to him. And so blood is only to be offered in atonement. It was to symbolize the offering of one life for another. As humans, we care for creation under God. That means we can use it for our betterment, but we need to realize that God has not given us ownership of creation, but stewardship of creation. The third question we want to ask is, what does this passage call me to do? Now, there's also a prohibition against murder here that God gives to creation. God wants it seen that the problem with murder is not simply the extinguishing of a life, but the violence against somebody else made in the image of God. Our care and compassion for other humans is to be rooted in our shared bearing of the image of God. It's easy for us to focus on differences. And there are many differences between us and other people. Social differences, ethnic differences, economic differences, cultural differences, behavioral differences, opinion differences, political differences, and the list can go on. But what we need to focus on is the fact that all humans equally, hear that word, equally bear the image of God. And so we must treat them as such. Well, thanks for listening to today's episode of Sanctified in Truth. Join us tomorrow as we will discuss Genesis chapter 9, verse 18, to Genesis chapter 10, verse 32. May everything you say and everything you do today seek to honor God. And whatever you do, take comfort and know that Jesus has already prayed for you, that you would be sanctified in truth. Anywhere I'm gonna live